Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Avatar Legend of the Last Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. How are you, Matt? I'm fantastic. I figured. I figured. Uh, Everything is so good. Is this out in November? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess this will be out in November, so happy Thanksgiving. Or wait, no, I'm looking at the calendar. Not not yet, never mind. I think... Happy Halloween. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, this one episode from this season that we're about to get into feels like a Halloween episode. It totally does. Uh, <laughs> it came out two weeks too late, but it's like right uh, there. Um, but on today's episode, we'll be talking about... The Avatar and the Fire Lord, The Runaway, The Puppet Master, Nightmares and Daydreams, and the two-part episode, Day of Black Sun. Yeah. Yeah, and as you know, uh, on this show we go over bundles of episodes every week. Next week will be something a little different, too. Uh, we're we're kind of mixing it up for the first time, because Season 3 has like a different narrative structure than the prior two seasons. And uh, I think it pays off because I remembered being a lot more lukewarm on these early episodes. Uh, I I don't know what's wrong with me because this, is, I, this I, was a great run of episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at it, and like they weren't released; they were all released in the same stretch. Like it wasn't like because sometimes these shows you can have a great run, but if your release schedule is weird, it can be very frustrating. <laughs> I'm looking forward to revisiting Legend of Korra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But up first, we should talk about the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Yes. Uh, This is a pretty blunt, straightforward episode, given the title. Um, But it it also colors in a lot of the backstory between Sozin and Avatar Roku. And uh, all all this jazz that basically led to the 100-year-long war. And how basically the fate of the world rest in the hands of Zuko and Aang. Yes. Uh, what we did learn, you... Uh, oh, here. We, we, we hit both uh, Zuko and Aang learning the story from... Two, it's What's great about it is that it's the same story from two perspectives, which is something that I really like about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great episode, um, which I feel like I'm just going to say every for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all really good. <laughs> Yeah, these are all really good. Uh, no, this this was fantastic, um, and I like the. It had like I just had like a unique structure for a flashback episode, where you again you get the same a different interpretation of the same events, and then a twist thrown in at the end. Oh which yeah, kind of brings it all together. Yeah, that Zuko is. Well, technically Zuko and Azula, but we'll talk about that. Where um, yeah. uh, Zuko, as we've discussed, they're less interested in exploring the inner turmoil within Azula. Yeah, it kind of feels like that would be, or, or you know what? Maybe we can get into that. But I think maybe there's a narrative purpose for that, um, which doesn't bode any better for Azula. But again, we'll get into that. But Zuko, of course, is the. Uh, the descendant of both Roku and Sozin because Avatar Roku was his mother's grandfather. And his father's grandfather was, of course, Fire Lord Sozin. Yes. And, and so it's like, oh, the two lineages uh, 
the, the two fates, you know, they're like they're they're going to determine the destiny of the world, and it's it's all been like carried through generations and generations. It's very literal fantasy, but I yeah. I I think it's pretty profound, and it's one of the first moments this season where Zuko's like, oh boy, not only did I do something wrong, but I think I I'm probably gonna have to start thinking about. <laughs> things a little bit bigger than myself right now it also reminds me of another series where lineage is very important are you talking about game of thrones i'm of course talking about the wheel of time by (laughs) robert jordan (laughs) no (laughs) i was i was talking about star wars again oh i don't know why i expected any different (laughs) i know (laughs) but you know it's uh another you know Another recent third entry maybe could have learned some lessons from this season. I know in the last episode you were talking about how like, oh, this is going to be like my Rise of Skywalker now. Uh-huh. And <laughs> rewatching this, those words stuck in the back of my mind and I was like, oh shit, it, it, doesn't it totally line is. It really well. <laughs> I'm not saying it's perfect, but it lines up pretty well. Yeah. You know, uh, watch, watch the discussion between Zuko and Iroh. When he's like, oh, yeah, you're a descendant of both the Avatar lineage and the Fire Lord lineage. And then, like, cut to Kylo Ren talking to Rey and being like, you have his power. You're a Palpatine. You're a Palpatine. (laughs) (laughs) Which might be the worst delivery of any line ever. (laughs) It's not Adam Driver's fault. It's not. No, not at all. No one could deliver that line well. Yeah. (laughs) You can feel him, like, struggling. To find a compelling way to deliver it, and he just yeah. doesn't. Not to continue ragging on that movie, but people on set had to know at that point, like, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. you know? I, I have a feeling that a lot of people were kept in the dark about that. It, that movie feels like they were making decisions up until the last minute. I would love to hear about that, honestly. I so. think it says something that that reveal is delivered by Kylo wearing a mask. Oh, oh, yeah, maybe. Feels like you could maybe dub that one out or put <laughs> something else in. What a bad, uh, just you know. Yeah, not not to get not to relitigate that shit. Yeah, I know. I know. We keep going back to it, but it's like again, it's it's this thing where I'm like watching this and be like, man, these guys should have written fucking Rise of Skywalker. Oh, God. Not to get into a whole thing, but Matt Reeves writing and directing Rise of Skywalker, I think, would have saved it. Mm. Why? Because he's like... Him and J.J. Abrams have this, a similar career trajectory, much like uh, Fire Lord Sosen and Avatar Roku. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, <laughs> but you look at like oh. what Matt Reeves has done like with his genre stuff, like his... his because he, he, he spent the last decade making Planet of the Apes movies. And they're, like, fantastic. Yeah. And all of this stuff, except for Cloverfield, is, like, a remake or a reboot and reimagining. Whereas Abrams does the same thing, but Matt Reeves' films are so distinct from one another. They take their time to explore the ideas he's presenting. Maybe not always perfectly, but they're always going for something. Yeah. And then Abrams is like, I want to remake both A New Hope and Raiders. Yeah, and that's like it. That's all you get. And he also really loves and Spielberg. Then, and then I want to remake my remake of <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark and A New Hope. 
Yeah, so not 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 the not the best, but the trajectory is crazy similar, and the outcomes are so radically different. So those Planet of the Apes films are—it's crazy how good those Planet of the Apes films are. I know, like even that first one, which like is kind of like in comparison to the later two, isn't as good. But there's still like those those are three solid movies. Yeah. And I think the only problem is that, like, War of the Planet of the Apes is so fucking depressing. (laughs) Like, that was the only thing about that movie where it was, like, I have a hard time revisiting that one because it's just so dour. And it's like, isn't this Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes gets dour. Yeah, but not, like, that, like, not to the point where it's like, I would never want to watch this again. I I get, I don't know. Um... I love that movie. I'm not, it's not, like, I don't. Escape. Like I, I just not not to spend a whole other half hour talking about Planet of the Apes, but like Escape from Planet of the Apes is pretty fucking depressing by the end. Yeah, but it's it's that's like got tons of shit in where it's like, oh, it's apes in human world. You know, yeah, it, it tricks you. That's what makes it even more depressing. I know, but at least like there's a chunk of it that's fun. I, I, I guess I don't know. Which is the one that ends with them all going ape killed ape. And they chase one up a tree, and then he dies. Uh, I think that's the fourth one. I think that's battle. Is that the last one? I think so, because it's, oh. it's it's planet beneath escape conquest battle, and then there's the remake, and then there's rise dawn and war. Mm. I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan. <laughs> hey, most are... of them are really good, and then like yeah, half pretty... half of them are like not. Yeah, I know. Half of them are, like, the worst thing ever. Yeah. And the other half are great. I just think it's funny that that's a series that's, like, how many films did I just name? That's, like, oh, that's like ten. Yeah. And the, the Earth blows up in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a franchise. <laughs> Can't stop this train. Mm. The monkey train. <laughs> we should do a Planet of the Apes retrospective. That would be a lot of fun because right now they're ending on a high note. But uh, yeah, they aren't doing anything. Have they announced anything? Um, Wes Ball is doing the the sequel to War. Who? Yeah, he did the Maze Runner movies, and he almost oh. did Mouse Guard. That Mouse Guard looked fun. Yeah, no, he, he's he's a solid director. I, I'm really looking forward to see what he, he does next. But we'll see. Oh, well, we'll now, see. now Disney owns. Uh huh. <laughs> all right. Another one Disney owns. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So that, Damn, that's that's uh, concerning, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but Avatar and the Fire Lord. <laughs> yeah, Avatar and the Fire Lord. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, um, it's a good episode, but it is one of those ones that also does kind of lay out a lot of stuff in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just take it in. And yeah. I, so I guess I'll, I just want to bring up the Azula thing again because. This does feel like something that Azula and Zuko should be discussing, but also Azula, given her characterization up to this point, you kind of have to let like leave her out because the moment yeah. she discovers that, things are unwinding a little too fast for the pacing of where the show is at in this season. Well, also, to be fair, I think it just needed a moment where Zuko at least considers telling Azula. Mm-hmm. And then deciding not to because it is a there is something about Azula where it's like even with the new connection they have and even returning home you can't trust her. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like she's going to use this to her own end. And so I, I understand if Zuko was like reluctant to tell her, but I think that he should have at least had a moment where he was like, hey. You know, it feels like, uh, like Uncle, uh, same with Uncle Iroh, like he should have been looking out for her as well. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like if Uncle Iroh was as good a guy as he's presented, he would be someone like, you know, no one's ever really gone. Yeah. She's not too far gone. Like, I understand being like, look, right now, we have to kick her butt. (laughs) Like, right (laughs) now, we have to get her and and throw her in a prison. But the goal should ultimately be uh, brother and sister reuniting. And it's just a discussion that never really happens. Which takes me to my next point, whereas we talked about uh, Fire Lord Ozai as, I think you referenced him as a monster man, (laughs) where where he's like, that's not a human being, that's really an obstacle. Like, it's a thematic obstacle, and it makes perfect sense, and it's a great, like, character, at least, for a villain, but it's not a human being, really. And, like, I I explained why I think that that works still, Um, and I think this kind of had an opportunity to at least give Azula, like, a thematic counterpoint to Zuko. Like, she still is in the rest of the series, but I think what the show ends up doing is positioning her as such without exploring it, like, in an exciting manner, I guess, you know? Because then it literally is, like, it's not just Zuko against his own inner turmoil trying to figure out who he is. It has to be him against his, like, the next... Uh, in the lineage of his family in Azula. Yeah. But it doesn't, it still doesn't get her perspective on things besides she just wants to control and like be evil, basically. And again, yeah, that's basically. totally fine, but it's, there's there's room for more in that, I guess. Yeah, and also if it's a story where it's like we're learning this history and it's like, all right, there's this century old rift that happened between the Fire Lord and the Avatar. And that turmoil now exists in Zuko and Azula, the unstated thing, as you said. So, like, there's a part of it where it's like, you know, them coming together could kind of heal this rift in a weird way. You know? Like, it feels like this, mm-hmm. it should be a lesson about coming together as opposed to Azula still kind of kept in, like, her penalty box. Yeah. And it does leave... Um... Zuko confused, and that's why he goes to see Uncle again. And uh, Aang, getting the perspective on things, uh, the Avatar gang is like, oh, wow, the, everyone from the Fire Nation really is that bad. And then, thankfully, Aang is like, well, I don't think it's that simple still. Like, I think it's yeah. everyone deserves to, to have a chance at, at redeeming themselves. So even though he just explained why like Azula didn't get that, it's nice that it's there in the episode, at least, from one perspective. Yeah, but I also like that he, that he specifically underlines, like, so that means I have to, you know, I think what he was trying to tell me was that uh, the Fire Lord is still a human being. And I gotta give him, a, I gotta treat him like one. And very minor spoilers, but we learned that that is not what Roku was trying to teach. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I find very funny. <laughs> no, like, see... Away the better lesson... But he's also like, he, it wasn't what was trying to be imparted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of like Aang as a character too. He does take, like, I mean, what we talk about in the show a lot is that like you take 
the bad with the good with a lot of like art history and like the the, the art we consume and stuff like that you, you have to acknowledge where things went wrong or like god forbid like uh maybe your favorite art is made by like a terrible human being so yeah. you, you take the lessons <laughs> from the art but god for, like you know you, you toss out the human being you don't defend uh the wrongdoings you just you try to do better than that and so i thought yeah. that was that was cool even though like you said that's a a point that will be discussed at a later date well it's always like yeah you're right like where it's like actions like of course should be condemned and bad people should be stopped but it's also like if you start deciding who is and isn't a human being it's that's that's like a very dangerous sliding scale you mm-hmm. know um you know who you know who avatar roka reminds me of I'm scared. Comes from my my classic Matt Garingo comparisons. If you say um, Joe Biden, I'm gonna stop recording. Oh no, no, no! I will not say Joe Biden. Okay. <laughs> I will not say Joe Biden. Um, Mike from Breaking Bad. Because <laughs> he shows up and he's like, "Ang, no more half measures." Because <laughs> he took a half measure with Fire Lord Sozin. That didn't work out. His buddy yeah. killed him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a heavy scene. Yeah. He just, just leaves Sozin to for... die. I mean, Roku to die. Yeah, I just le- yeah, I just leaves him to die of toxic fumes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. And it was on Nickelodeon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, but Ron Perlman you know, is uh, Fire Lord Sozin. Yes. Another, another really good voice performance. Isn't it a great, like, again, it's like, wow, the voice cast of this is amazing. And wow, the voice cast of this is really white. I know. (laughs) I know. It's a fucked up double-edged sword where I'm like, oh, wow, I love that. That person's doing a great job. I love their performance. And it's also like, could you you find someone? (laughs) Like one? (laughs) Gotta be one out there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not a great sign. <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, like I I love his performance. Um he he was doing a lot of that. What well, he was slayed on Teen Titans around the same t- same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was also like that you know what? There's a show where the 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 I think it's the first season where he he makes Robin join his side. Is that the first season of Teen Titans? I think so. I, I don't. Or, like I don't the, know it as well as this. He's got the poison in the other Teen Titans that, like, if he, if they don't, if he doesn't follow his orders, he'll kill them. Right? Mm. Like that's how he gets. That fucked me up. That messed me up as a child. That was like one of the. That was a dark moment in children's television. <laughs> I wonder if any of this was influenced by. The Florida recount. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't stick nine eleven in there? It's had to be Florida recount. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> it's all about the Florida recount, the darkest day in American history. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds every day is the darkest day in American history now. No, I, I'll, I'll, did you didn't you see David Lynch? He said the future's bright. I did see that. That made me feel better. He's the only guy I trust when they say that. Yeah. I I believe David Lynch looked into an orb and saw the picture. <laughs> he he looked into an orb and then his pet and monkey friend started singing to him. Yes. About what it would entail in the future. 
And then he was like, my, thanks, Jack. I watched that with my father. Wow. He, he, he was not happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone watch What Did Jack Do on Netflix? And just, He's got just, a Netflix thing coming, right? I think I think it's in like the works, but it's in the stage of where he's like, ah, I can't really talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's taking over the Avatar show. Oh my god. <laughs> Momo <laughs> would actually talk. And have human teeth. Yes. <laughs> that would uh, that would be the only thing. Uh, Alright, so there you go, Netflix. If you wanna win me back, have David Lynch take over. Nah, see it's a fun joke, but like given what he's happen. gone yeah, it would never happen for a million reasons, but even if it were to, like I think he would turn it down because his babies have been taken from him at a certain point, you know? And I don't think he would I ever know. do that to another artist. I know, but have you seen Dune? <laughs> yes, I have seen Dune. I love I Dune. I would love to see I would love to see him handle another high fantasy <laughs> fucking complicated <laughs> mythology. No, I love Dune. I'm not recommending Dune to another human being. Oh no, everyone should see Dune. <laughs> Dune is so good. Do- Look at this. My, my dad does not like David Lynch, but he likes Dune. Wow. Dune is one of those movies where I could I could go, I could stop everything I'm doing right now, drive to him at work, and be like, do you want to watch Dune? And he'd be like, totally. <laughs> um, I don't recommend you do that, listeners, to anyone. Oh my uh, god, Why? Because Dune's fucking crazy. I mean, yeah, like, for crazy. David Lynch, it's not that crazy, honestly. Like, it's probably the least crazy thing he's done, which is saying something. But, uh, <laughs> uh just, it, it is an acquired taste. <laughs> Baron Harkonnen, man? We're, we're gonna move on now. You controls the spice, controls the universe. Alright, uh, next, next up. Amazing. Chapter 7, The Runaway. This what is now. He... What if that guy voiced Fire Lord Sozin? David Lynch? <laughs> no, no, the fucking Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> um, that would be horrifying and hilarious. I know. Lynch is Roku. And, uh... <laughs> and then the Baron Harkonnen guy is Fire Lord Sozin. <laughs> okay, alright. Oh my Very god, Dave, David Lynch was reached out to play, um... Uh, Bill Cipher in Gravity Falls, but he turned it down, and that broke my oh, heart when I heard that. That's a little sad. Yeah, because he, he said yes to like the Cleveland show. <laughs> I know, like what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe he was like, I don't want to do any more cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> and like Gravity Falls is like a perfect television series, but no, nope. that would have been a little hard to explain to him, you know. I mean, maybe maybe he saw like you know I don't want to do the like Twin Peaks thing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe he doesn't want. He is notoriously not very cute about nostalgia for anyone that's seen Twin Peaks: The Return. Yes. (laughs) Someone made the best the best analogy of uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, where he said it's like your dad catching you smoking and making you smoke the whole pack. Which is like that's exactly what the return is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. That oh was my like God. a perfect season of television. Yeah, 
Uh, wow, that that was when I was. That's the last time I was happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then just being wow. scared shitless by the last scene and being like, "Well, that's restructured the way I live my life now." <laughs> <laughs> I was like that when I uh, when I finally watched uh, um, Neon Genesis Evangelion. I still haven't done that because I've yeah. heard it has a similar effect on people. Yeah, it's uh, you're, you're gonna walk away a little different, <laughs> but that's kind of the point, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, because the ending is like, if you don't walk away different, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I mean, to to the credit of the Avatar series, I walk away from them always feeling better about life. So. Yes, it's a good it's a good little distraction currently. <laughs> um, but chapter seven, the runaway is a yes. Toph-centric episode because yep. Toph basically learns how to scam people with her bending. Yeah, it's Toph just scamming people, and it's great. It's so much fun. It's just, you know, running scams on <laughs> punks. <laughs> yeah, because, like, that's what makes it even, like, funnier is that they're all trying to, like, take her for a ride too because she's blind and so she's yeah. like oh woe is me and then she's like oh i just stole like 50 dollars from you <laughs> like, yeah the guy was pulling some free card money shit yeah so that that makes it more fun and honestly Which, uh, uh i'm 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 pro toff stealing yeah i mean I, I i get the lesson in the end which is like hey this is gonna catch up with you <laughs> but you know ripping off the like a, a three card money guy isn't the worst <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, like there's there's a line you probably don't cross. Um, she it looks like she targets at least the right people in this. I guess I don't I, I don't know if I'm in a position to say that, but uh, well, just because they're trying to take her for a scam, so she's like, I'm gonna yeah. scam them back. Well, three card money is like a legit like scam. Like you just can't win. Mm. You know, and it's it's the it, they do exactly what they did in the bit where. Uh, they make you bet a little, and then you're lucky. You're like, wow, you're really lucky. You want to up the stakes, and then when you do that, that's when they get you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like pool sharks and shit like that. Did you know, did you know, did you know Run DMC <laughs> and Penn and Teller teamed up to release PSAs warning people about three-card money? No. They did. And it was like, because like that was still happening in New York City at the time. <laughs> <laughs> And then they released uh, It's Tricky, the music video, which is a music video where Penn and Teller are ripping people off with three-card money, but then Run DMC shows up in a helicopter, <laughs> <laughs> and they beat Penn and Teller. It's so badass. It's the best. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a lot of heart in this episode, too, because Toph and Katara, uh, as we've discussed multiple times now, like, they... They're obviously like a nice little family unit, but Toph and Katara don't get along. Like, well, it's family. They, they butt in heads like, in every sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know where it's like, oh, you also fight a lot. Yeah, <laughs> which because they're just fundamentally different people. Mm. But uh, yeah, there's um, there's some good moments. This is one where Katara gets completely called out. It's <laughs> 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 kind of being the mom of the group. It's kind of interesting that the most responsible and least responsible are both women. <laughs> I mean, like, we've, we've talked about giving the show too much credit in regards to that, but it is nice to have, like, that entire spectrum basically covered in the series. Yeah, yeah. 
could always do more, but. Uh, and just uh, there's a great little reminder that like maybe the reason Kantara is so motherly because you know her and Sokka's mother were was killed, and so she's yeah, kind yeah. of she's had to fill that role her whole life, and it's it's kind of one of the things that drives her to to do that for other people, so they'll never have to go through what she had to go through, you know. And then it's yeah. uh, I, I think even more potent with Toph because, you know, her parents did send bounty hunters after her. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a little, that was one thing about this where at the end, I, is this the one that ends with her sending the letter, right? Yeah. That's one I'm not sure I totally agree with. <laughs> Cause I mean, there's one thing to be like, all right, you ran away. Fine. That's a problem. You know, could have, could have given your family some heads up, but your family did send bounty hunters after you. <laughs> Which is not the coolest thing to do. No, but I, I think how they, like, you know, spoiler alert, but they don't really follow this up. And I think that's okay because of that, you know? Like, this is yeah. what Toph felt that she had to say, but she doesn't owe them a face-to-face or anything like that. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like we, I think I mentioned last time that I kind of wanted a little more with Toph and, like, how she responded to her family sending bounty hunters after her. <laughs> And it's a little weird that we finally get it here, and it's more like, oh, I should be thinking about how they feel. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's not, not wrong, but also, you know, you got to think about yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe Toph just always thinks about herself. She's just, like, really good, and, like, she's got a really good grasp on her own feelings, and it's other people that she deals with. I, I think that's totally a fair read, given that, you know, she she did have basically her entire life to herself up to oh, yeah. the point of being Locked recruited by Aang, you know? Mm-hmm. The only and other time she, was when she found it in, like, the, the earthbending rings. Yeah, she snuck out to go wrestle. Yeah, that oh, that's not, like, disgust enough how fucking awesome that is. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, and, and Katara uh, overhearing Sokka explain to Toph, like, why Katara is the way she is and how he relies on that to keep him grounded and how he appreciates her for being the mother that he doesn't even remember her face anymore. And like, it's, it's some really that's a, touching that's stuff. a heavy thing to throw out in a kid's show. I know. Like to be like, I don't remember my mother's face. <laughs> that's something like, cause as a kid, you're like, that can happen. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> That's, which is, it's true. It's like, you know, the further you get removed from certain people, it's like you start, like, forgetting things. That's just life. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard fucking thing to learn about. And here it is just in the middle of the fun kids show where they're scamming people. <laughs> and then, of it's course... One, oh, here, go ahead. It's got a good framing device with uh, the two of them where you see her, you see Toph getting captured... And Katara being like, you brought this on herself. So then when you see them fighting, you're like, oh, you know, that's the end of this fight, blah, blah, blah. But you later find out it was just a scam they were pulling. But also, it doesn't take the easy thing, because that would be, like, the fun way to end the episode, right? Yeah. Like, just end it there. But then it's also like, nope, they they really did catch her. (laughs) (laughs) The plan did not work out. Also, uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Man's back. Yes, uh, who is dubbed a new name by the end of this episode by Sokka as Combustion Man. 
Yeah, but it seems like the fandom is has gone with Sparky Sparky Boom Man. <laughs> yeah, Sparky Sparky Boom Man sounds better. But uh, I'm gonna put a poll out: Sparky Sparky Boom Man or Combustion Man. I'm willing to bet Sparky Sparky Boom Man's gonna win, but I just want to see. <laughs> On the fan wiki, his alternate name is Sparky Sparky Boom Man. <laughs> oh, never no poll then. That's the answer is is there well, already? No, it's, his article is Combustion Man, but his oh, alternate name oh, is Sparky Sparky. Oh, oh. This is this is the turmoil I like to see. This is the kind of fan debate I can get my teeth into. There you go. Uh, and speaking of characters <laughs> that are just monster men, this is also Combustion Man. He's I think you called him the Terminator last time. That's that's fair. Yeah. He he doesn't really really have anything going on, and that's fine. It's a fun, scary like monster villain of the week kind of thing. Yeah, occasionally you can do someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you, like you there, can there's get away enough. With that. You can get away with that when you have other nuanced characters around them. Yeah, and it's a like weird. it's one it's one of those things where like I single out Azula because her brother gets so much, you know, mm-hmm. like her brother gets so much. Like we get to look into him where we don't get as much with Azula. Whereas Combustion Man, it's not like you know, it, there's just not much to him. Like yeah, yeah, and he just has a crazy new power that we've never seen. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I, I kind of just like that. Sometimes a villain's just like, yeah, this is a job, I'm good at it, I'm gonna go do it. And that's like it, you know, not everyone needs to be like the fucking Joker. <laughs> or like, you know? Well, here's the thing, people used to be able to just be the Joker, but now everyone has to be the Joker. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good way of putting it. Where it's like, you know, it used to just be like, oh, he's, you know, he, he, his gimmicks, he's a clown, he finds murder funny. <laughs> like... <laughs> And now it's like, actually, he's Travis Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really exciting. What a fresh take. What a, what a dog shit, Phil. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, oh, Katara learns how to bend her own sweat, which is funny and gross. But, like, in a funny yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny and gross, but it's also a, a, a foreshadowing of a crazy dark episode that's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you just never see it coming. But uh, it goes to show Katara's ingenuity, you know? It's like, yeah, she's very caring and motherly, but she's also like, I will fuck shit up really badly. <laughs> Does this... Oh, that, you know what? That That's going to be really good leading into the next episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's yeah. the wrong way to tee that up. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. I, I will say, I, I will say this. Uh, sorry to Toph, but um, I do think this is probably the weakest episode of the one we're, we're going to talk about, The Runaway. Uh, I mean, just, only just... weak in the sense that it it doesn't have as much depth to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's a really quality episode, and it's also just like maybe one of the last time the characters get to just hang out for a little while. Yeah, things uh, things escalate a little bit. Next episode, Retro Puppet Master. No, oh my god. <laughs> um. Puppet kind Master, of the littlest, the littlest right. No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. <laughs> I would like to see some cursed like dolls in this series at some point, just because I like creepy puppets. So I want to see them in everything. Like I want Spider Man to fight creepy puppets. But whatever. To talk about the Puppet Master, this is a, a pretty big fan favorite episode as well because it's also horrifying 
Oh, it's terrifying. So are the Puppet Master films. No, they're not. Reason, I love them, but no. <laughs> the Puppet Master series wiki, someone felt the need to, to put the films in chronological order. Because, <laughs> you know, that we, I really care about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they stopped making chronological sense by the third one. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because it's like, oh, he was like a... Um, like, they, they change up the backgrounds a lot. First, it was, like, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he built the, the toys to, like, fight Nazis, and that's, like, awesome. And eventually, it's, like, we're going to soft reboot it, like, every three films. Now he is a Nazi who built Nazi toys, and it's it's very odd. Yes, um, they are. There's, there's, like, at least six I haven't seen. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that it's not, there are at least 14 I haven't seen. <laughs> I like three of them a lot. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I get a kick out of them. Yeah. But they are strange films. They're, they're, they're garbage. They're garbage. But yeah, yeah. they're, you know, I got I got a soft spot for, for things like Child's Play and shit. So I yeah. got to get my hit where I can get it from, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this is this episode is one of the darkest episodes of anything ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is a crazy episode. Um, yeah, th- this is the one with the blood bending for first time viewers. You've probably heard about that, honestly, because a lot of people from our generation that saw these for the first time were like, "Wow, that's that's the the, the most disturbing thing I've ever heard." The noises that's people very make, disturbing. <laughs> and it's disgusting. And we're gonna end the episode with Guitaro weeping. <laughs> Yeah, it really does feel like a Halloween episode, or at the yeah, very just, least, like, like you know, it is bookended with the, that little music, and it opens with, like, them telling creepy campfire stories, and, mm. you know, you, it kind of teases it up that, like, oh, there was something creepy at the North Pole. And it's not related to that specifically, but it is related to the, the South Pole, excuse me. It, it is related to the their home in the Water Tribe, and they meet an old lady named Hama. Who turns out to be basically a demon witch lady? Not not really yeah. a demon. She's a human being, but um, she's a human being. But she's like, hey, you know, like she's got like a weird thing about her. And what another thing the show does fairly well is that whenever something very obvious is happening, one of the characters will point it out very quickly. Yeah, they're very rarely are these characters like acting like idiots. You know, like, yeah. it's very obvious when they're acting out of character because even the goofballs like Aang and Sokka, like, they're not complete dummies. You know, they're not full-on buffoons. They're just buffoons in social situations. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is nice. But you hear Sokka's like, there's something weird about that lady. And they give all, like, reasonable explanations to why there's nothing that strange about it. And we've, there's been enough episodes of the show at that point where it could really go either way. Mm-hmm. where it could be, oh, she is up to something nefarious, or we're misjudging just an old lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, hell, even somewhere in the middle. Like, we really don't, you really don't know at the start. Yeah, and so the, when they go to the town, you start hearing about, like, oh, no one stays out at night anymore because, you know, the full moon. Like, people are starting to go missing, and, you know, Toph says she heard people screaming in, in the mountain. And A that moment. It, a great little detail is that Toph says that about how she was screaming in the mountain because she, you know, she, she can sense everything and whatnot. 
and the whole episode, like they, they when they kind of go like, ah, oh, there must have been nothing. She is still kind of like rigid and like has like a face where she's like at unease for like the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And it's not really they don't draw any attention to it, but you can kind of tell that she's like weirded out by being in this town. Yeah, and um, you know, when we talk about these episodes, we we talk about every detail. We're assuming you you just watched them as well, so you know, Hama is blood bending people to yes. make them chained up in an underground cave somewhere that she, I assume she's built or my working theory that the fire nation had built for other slaves or uh, other prisoners of war and stuff like that. And that she's just kind of like started inhabiting it with other people from the fire nation Yeah, because Hama is, you know, ultimately a, like a refugee, a survivor of war, and her mind's basically been broken by the Fire Nation. Like, she didn't just wake up one morning in the South Pole and, like, I'm gonna be a crazy evil witch lady. We see her story and, like, the horrible, horrible decades of life she had as a prisoner of the Fire Nation and how that's basically broken her faith in not just humanity, but, like, in an existence that is not one filled with, like, literally blood-curdling vengeance. Yes. And so and, it's and it's, it's a moment, great horror story. It's good, but it's also, it works as, she's like a great mirror to Katara, because you mentioned Katara's ingenuity in the last episode, being a figuring out how to use her sweat to waterbend. And here it's like this woman, it's like, this is what, what could have happened to Katara had she been left to her own devices and gone through what this woman went through. Mm-hmm. It's not unreasonable to think that would have happened. And that's that's what's really scary about the episode. It's it's much less what this woman's doing and the fact that she gets Katara to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it ends that's the note it ends on, which is like she's taken away, but she's still got Katara to use bloodbending. I think it's also interesting to point out that basically every character in this series, like the central protagonists, they all get like a mirror at some point. Except for Aang, he kind of mirrors off like the world around him and i think that makes him feel a little more isolated that's not really what this episode's about but i just thought that was kind of interesting you know like Sokka yeah. has his master and his father and bato uh katara has the, the various waterbenders they come across Toph, not so much either i guess and i guess i would like like to have seen more of that uh that what, Toph what? comes in a little later yeah yeah so maybe maybe that's it zuko had Zhao. Of course, and then of course Azula, his father, Iroh, yada yada. But I don't know. I think that's why the dynamics of these characters work so well too. You know, they they can all be like connected through various like relationships and like themes and journeys, and so yeah, it's yeah. all just works out really well. But yeah, this is fucking really unsettling. This episode. Yeah, it's, it's just it's upsetting, and it's just one thing where it's like you can't really blame her on some level. For how she got here. I mean, even that flashback, which is mostly, like, even with her narration, it's mostly just visually told how, like, she was the last one. Mm-hmm. And she had to see everyone taken before her. And then she's in prison. And honestly, it's that thing where it's like, you know, if she maybe had just blood bent that guard to get herself out, you, you wouldn't really blame her for that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to I'm gonna use this forever and just do horrible things to people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I was saying, like, Things happened to her in her life that brought her there to to yeah. the point of basically no return. You know, like, 
Like when you when you lose that much in your own life, like to the point where she could never even return home if she wanted to at that point. Like now she she basically is like like just a spirit of vengeance wreaking havoc on the Fire Nation, but only like the Fire Nation innocence, it seems like. Like that's what the season does a really good job of too, with showing the elements of the Fire Nation people where they're you know, they're just people living. <laughs> they're not all like rigid fascists who want to like kill everything in their path. So I don't know. I just I, I thought the series continued to handle all that stuff really well. And also still make Hama just straight up terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like there's Does Bart ever yeah. use bloodbending again? Um I'm gonna Yes. I there feel you go. like it gets used once it, more. It does. Um I don't wanna say when. It's it's pivotal when it happens, but I yeah I, 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 I have it. vague memories, but I don't totally remember. Yeah, yeah, she. she I, I'm actually gonna cut it. I'm gonna cut this and say, I'll I'll save it. I'll save it. Um, okay. For for the first time viewers of this, but uh, yeah, this this episode also makes it onto a lot of uh, top ten best of lists. Uh, this is one where it's kind of hard to like fight that for me. I don't know if it'd be on my top 10 per se or anything like that, but it, it's, it's a really terrific episode and no, I'd probably make mine. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the interesting, it's really like, what's interesting is that it's It's a Katara story and it's this thing. It, I, I think that it draws a very clear line. It's like, this is how close, like, you know, we started this specific thing off where it's like everyone has in them this capacity for great good and great evil. You know, it's what you do that matters. And this is kind of Katara confronting that where it's this realization that she could have ended up like this woman. Yeah, and then... I think that's why I think that's why in life we kind of are fascinated with awful people, you know? Especially if you aren't an awful person, I guess. <laughs> like, I honestly, I think a thing, like, where right now we're, like, we're really obsessed with, like, true crime as a country and we're also obsessed with, like, serial killers and stuff like that. It seems to be more popular. I think there's something about... The idea of another human being doing something that we would never, ever do, you know, mm-hmm. that is so captivating. Because it's like, it almost doesn't seem possible, but then to be confirmed with the fact that not only is it possible, it has happened in life. That's what's scary about it. Yeah, it, it's it's unsettling to, to think about all that, but yeah, maybe, maybe there's something there. To that you know just at least to understand it a little better maybe there is like a perverse thing about it but i i like to think that mm-hmm. it's just people want to understand that all the capacities of what people are capable of you know for better or worse i, I think i think it's just fundamentally important to understand that too and how to avoid it a lot yeah. of the time <laughs> so and i will say this is a dark episode but it does have one of the funny uh, comedy moments of uh, the series for me um, where they're trying to figure out um, what the hell is happening uh, they're trying to figure out why everyone's disappearing and they're like well maybe the moon spirit's angry oh. <laughs> and Toph says something not too flattering about the moon spirit and <laughs> Sokka freaks out yeah <laughs> oh yeah all, all the little references Sokka gets about the moon spirit are like really sad but you know funny a lot of them are funny a lot of the time but yeah, yeah. it is it is sad so hey, but hey moon spirit 
Could have given Team Avatar a heads up about this one. <laughs> I never thought about that. What are you doing? What are you doing, girl? Come on. I know, and then Sokka almost kills Aang. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting bloodbended. Look, I get it. You're the moon. <laughs> but we all can relate. But you could have given some warning. Um, yeah, it's a terrific episode. I want to move on because the next one's not not a lot to talk about, but it's still nice. And then, of course, we have the, the big two-parter, Day of Black Sun, but Nightmares and Daydreams. Yes. This, Nightmares this is, and Daydreams. This one's just really kind of a, a nice little tee-up for Aang and the gang, and Aang just kind of basically having uh, like, the ultimate anxiety attack. Yeah, this is like an anxiety attack episode, but it's also a comedy episode, but it's also got like a really good Zuko story in it. Yeah, the Zuko stuff is really where like the meat of the story is. Aang is just kind of like... Lit, like pulling his hair out. I was gonna say metaphorical, yeah. but he does have hair in these episodes until now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um yeah, the the Zuko stuff is really compelling because this is the peak of him having everything he wants. He's like, I wasn't invited to the war meeting and Azul's like, You probably just expected to go, dummy. And then May's like, Oh, well, you know, you're probably not needed and then Zuko's basically like, Oh no, like what if I don't have everything I want? What does that mean? And then he's like, oh, he gets a message that he is wanted at the war council and his father's waiting to start it with him. Like, they're not mm-hmm. going to make a move without Zuko's presence. And he's like, oh, wow. That really solidifies how far he's come in the graces of not just the Fire Nation, but his own yeah. family, including Azula, who's also there. Yes. And then he, come, he comes out of the meeting, which we don't see, but may ask him how he went and... He just says he didn't feel like himself. He had everything he wanted. His father asked for his recommendations, his understanding, but he just, he's not Zuko. That's not who he is. And it's a pretty good indication of where he's going to go from here. I just, I just really yeah. like that stuff. What is it? They always complain about man's plane, but they have no understanding of man's pain. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. Sorry. No. <laughs> Had to do it. Had to do it. Should have saved that at least for, like, Sokka. That makes sense. No, it works here. Fine. No. <laughs> Mark Hamill gets some uh, funny comedy bits in this. Oh, yeah, because he plays not the Fire Lord in this one. Oh, no, he does play the Fire Lord. Oh, but, shit. Like, no, 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 that's right. As as in Aang's dream. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, kind of interesting, Lord. huh? We don't see... The Fire Lord in Zuko's story. We only see the Fire yeah. Lord in Aang's story. Yeah, and it's all, but it's all Dream Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, there's uh, he Mark Hamill must have this like as a role because every time he pops up in anything, he always voices like, you know, a minor character because he's also voicing the people who are, like helping Zuko in the morning, <laughs> uh, which is very much like uh, coming to America. Oh, yeah, like, oh, the fire prince didn't walk anywhere, sir. And they just, like, yeah. moved ten feet. <laughs> <laughs> you could have rose, people drumming rose petals at his feet. <laughs> Everywhere he goes. Um, you know, yeah, the the Aang daydreams and nightmares stuff are, uh, are, are genuinely hilarious. Like, how are you supposed to be ready for the invasion without pants? Yeah. This reminds me of at any time I've left the house and thought I left the garage open or something. Oh, yeah, that's you know? pretty brutal. 
that feeling like you're like halfway there and you like don't remember because like you because that's like an action you just do like every time you don't really think about it but then you realize it doesn't stick in your head you're like oh shit did i oh shit oh shit no you want to know something scary when i first started to drive as a teenager i um i had this cat has since passed away rest in peace happy best cat ever um Mm. but she was an indoor cat and she was like notorious for wanting to try to go outside when she was younger and so, uh, and I'm driving, like, just around the block, but even then I was like, <gasps> I think I left the door a little open. And so I go back and the door is a little open, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I was like, my world crumbling around me. And then I just see my cat waiting at the door inside. <laughs> so she, w- what, what would happen was, like, eventually I would start taking her more and more outside, and she didn't want to go outside without me. And so I was like, okay, uh, okay. I, I, I feel way better if, God forbid, that ever happened again. <laughs> I've had that exact same story with my cat, Otto. Really? He's exact. He's exact like that where, like, I'll drive away, realize I left the door open, drive back, and he'll just be sitting there like a dope. <laughs> he's also a guy where when he gets outside, he, like, panics. He, like, really can't go outside. Aw. Like, I don't know what it is. He wants to get outside, but once he does, he's, like, He's like panicky. I don't understand them. Yeah, that that's a big thing too. Like right now, my cat Wednesday, she was she she was a stray, right? And she was feral. She still is kind of feral, but whatever. Um, and so like she she would always try to go outside too. But now, even before like like she's only like three years old, like in November, uh, she does not want to go outside ever again now. Mm-hmm. Like she's just she hates it. She hates everything. Yeah. Some some really hate it. Can't can't blame him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, but speaking of hatred, Aang hates everything now in this one because he's just stressed and wants to sleep, but he can't sleep because he has nightmares. And he has these horrible little bags under his eyes, and he's having like looks, the most embarrassing daydreams ever, which is great he for looks us. Like Goku. He looks like Goku in one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, Naruto probably in there a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch Naruto. I never watched. I never watched Naruto. Yeah, sorry if uh, I'm getting my references wrong. Everyone is Nar is Naruto good? I I don't know. I never seen it. Someone answer this question so I couldn't <laughs> say, "Oh, I should check it out," and then not. <laughs> also, don't I, tell I them. The, the guru. Um, who has appeared before is voiced by Brian George, who played uh, Babu Bot on Seinfeld. Oh, huh. The wow. guy, the character who the cast of Seinfeld got deported. Yeah. Huh. I never knew that. That's, uh. Yeah, that's the, the, the cast of Seinfeld totally should have ended up in prison in the final. Yeah, anyone who who says no, like you can criticize yeah. the finale for a bunch of reasons, but anyone who says like that wasn't acceptable wasn't watching the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, I got a show for you. It's called Friends. <laughs> Nobody should watch Friends, but anyways, no one should watch Friends. Um, yeah, the the guru comes back in Ang's daydream, and I guess the writers eventually learned that they needed some work to do with the character, but didn't learn enough to actually do it, and <laughs> yeah. then made him say stuff like Chakra Sandwich. Hey. Uh, well, you know, not... I, I got some questions about that, if I were to ever you speak got, with them. Yeah, I got, I got a few things going on there. Yeah, like, hey, and then, you know, with um, the the symbols and the, the arms, 
It's like you're playing with some imagery there that the audience would recognize, but not really Aang. So I feel like that's probably a little uncalled for. I think they're trying to be like, oh, look at how goofy we were and how we wrote this character. Like, trying to be like, haha, we get it. But it's like, it, like, no, you're making it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Billy Crystal, put the makeup down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Muhammad Ali's funeral, Billy Crystal. Don't do a Muhammad Ali impression. <laughs> um... Yeah, so people tackling Billy Crystal and tries to <laughs> honor the black community or something. Yeah, so that 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 kind of I was like, oh boy, I know <laughs> doesn't. Oh my god! Work. Oh my god! Do you know who they was rumored to play the guru in the unmade film sequel that M Night Shyamalan was gonna do? This is not real, but go ahead, Billy Crystal. <laughs> that, yeah, I figured there it is. <laughs> We got a lot of talk about the race stuff in that movie. Yeah, it's weird. Like we're, it's funny where it's like we're, we're here. We're like, yeah, you know, it could be they could diversify the cast a little bit. Every now and then they're dropping the ball because they're dealing with a culture they maybe don't understand very well. And then it's like in the horizon, <laughs> it's like the movie, it's like a monolith is just looming. <laughs> Um, it's like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One day. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, Appa and Momo get in a sword fight. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And, and Appa has been memefied now with his, like, angry fist pose, which know, is great. great. And then, oh, my God. Yeah, the, the Appa-Momo fight. I'm sick and tired of you. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it still D. Bradley Baker doing those voices when they talk? I don't know. Let me check. That that'd be amazing if it was, because that guy's got he's a very, voice. He's very talented. Creeps me the fuck out when I see him doing the animal voices, though. <laughs> D. Bradley Baker's the only one credited. I'm not seeing anything else either. So I, I guess so. That's pretty cool. It's okay. pretty good. Good job, D. Who is also a white man? <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah, well, I mean, it's animals. Animals, I get. Look, That's fine. White men can voice the animals <laughs> as long as we're not doing like the talking animals, the talking crows, you know, <laughs> Dumbo or some shit. <laughs> I just remember, like, in Community when they're in that video game episode. And they're like, oh, look out. Jive turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to trim around some of this stuff. But that's just what it reminded me of. Um, I oh, really man. like Aang's. Um, no. Leave it in. I really I've like. I've now made Billy Crystal a central part of this episode. <laughs> I really like the Aang's daydream when he's talking to Katara. And he's also, if you notice, like, slightly taller in that one. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, baby, you're my forever girl. What's no. this thing about dudes being insecure about their height? I don't know. I've never had that insecurity. Maybe it's because I'm not, like, super short, but I'm also not tall. No, I, I used to be way more insecure about it just because I'm not six feet tall. I wanted to be six feet tall, and now I, I just don't care. Why, why would anyone want to be six feet tall? I don't know. Because Why? Elizabeth Debicki 
is 6'3". Damn. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. Never mind. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no. This is cute. This is really just kind of a tee-up for the big episode that we're closing out on today. But it's it's good. And then eventually, um, because Aang, Sokka, Katara, and Toph are uh, with Appa and Momo are waiting for the invasion fleet in this island, basically. And that there's a bunch of like weird sheep things that that Aang kind of like <laughs> he screams into at one point, which is hilarious. But also like they make like, they shave them, <laughs> which is a great mm. gag, and then make Aang a bed just to like relax in. That's there's, there's it's a little bit of an easy answer, but when you're dealing yeah, with yes. like something that heavy, I guess there's no like there's no other way to kind of like deal with it than just to rest beforehand. I guess I don't know. Then he has the dream. But this time the Fire Lord isn't wearing pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Mark Hamill does a great job at that. That's a that's a very funny moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he is great in this series. Yeah. He, I love that he's kind of had this renaissance as a voice actor since the, the 90s Batman cartoon. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I love it. Um, it's a shame that now he's the subject of fanboy conspiracy videos. Yeah. Because I literally can't Google anything Mark Hamill without finding like at least six videos like that. Mm. Which, uh, yeah, you know, maybe not a great way to honor someone's career. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question. Have you ever had that those specific anxiety dreams? Uh, the pants ones? The pants ones or the, uh, the, the showing up and, oh, there's a test today I didn't realize. Uh, yes, like the... yes, oh, really? and um, falling. So this mm. one's very relatable. I did not, until I watched this for the first time, I did not realize that people shared those dreams, basically. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I've had all of those. I've never had those dreams. Yeah. Um, well, I've had a dream, I think I've mentioned this, and I, before I say it, I googled it. It turns out it's a very common dream. <laughs> But whenever I am going through, like, an anxious period or a stressful period, I have a recurring dream of pulling my teeth out. I've had that before. Not that regularly, yeah, but, yeah. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. And I guess it's a, it's a fairly common one. Yeah, I, I think I've talked about it on the show before, but I used to suffer from, like, severe anxiety. Like, I have, I, I have anxiety now still, but, like, mm-hmm. it was really bad when I was growing up. And so, like, a lot of the the nightmares I would have that would make it worse by not letting me sleep were stuff like this, where I would show up in class without pants or, God forbid, like, in a shopping mall or something like that. I would forget to study for a test, which is something that just actually happened in my real life at that point a lot. Um, and then, of course, the uh, falling. Falling was the big one. So, so th- this, was, this one hit home. The first college test I took in my college career, I showed up and I had studied the wrong material, and, and I got w- a, I got a zero. <laughs> is that real? I didn't. I, I, this is real. I am so sorry. I did not get like you know a low score. I got a zero <laughs> on my first. Sorry. Test. Yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> But hey, it's a it's a reminder that nothing can ever really beat you. 
It'll just haunt you forever. <laughs> well, speaking of being beaten and Wait, haunted also, forever. Uh, also, one more story. No, come on. That's the perfect segue. Don't do this no, to no, me. I, I got one more. I got one more fuck up dream. Story. Fine, fine. I don't give a shit about your segues. I never I get that, to nail them like that. I did the Aang thing once where I was like, all right, I in order to be ready, I have to stay up the whole night. Because there was like a project I had to do. This was freshman year high school. And so I, I, I stayed up all night to do it and got ready and then went to bring it to school. And I'm standing at the bus stop early. And because I'm like, because I'm starting to like fall asleep, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, like when you stay up and like your head starts like dropping because you're falling asleep. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm like, if I go stand at the bus stop, it'll keep me awake. No! And... I'm standing there, and I suddenly I'm I'm am sitting there, and no one else is showing up yet, and I'm looking, and there's like there's a there's a a tree and some bushes across from me, <laughs> and I'm just staring at it, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I could stand behind that tree, <laughs> and the bus will come, and then everyone will leave for work, and no one will know. <laughs> And so I went and I stood behind the tree. <laughs> and I skipped school. <laughs> and then went home and went to bed. That's beautiful. Yep. Yeah, I See, didn't I, need, I didn't need to ruin well, my segue for that, but that was worth it. No, it wasn't. Well, the other thing is that it fucked me because then I couldn't go to school because I had no reason for not being in school. I had one of those schools where you like you always had to have a note if you were absent. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll just won't go back until I can come up with something. Uh, <laughs> School noticed after three days. <laughs> I figured. Didn't go well. Didn't go over well. Yeah. <laughs> the Spe- day of Black Sun! Ah, damn it, I almost had something. <laughs> A day of Black Sun. Uh, the, the two-parter were the, the gang and their friends and their little militia, because it's not really an army. It's like 30 dudes. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) invade the Fire Nation and take the fight to the Fire Lord because the eclipse is coming and all firebenders will be without firebending. So if they have the chance to win the war and end it forever, it's right now. Naturally, everything fails and and people almost die and everyone gets captured at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't... uh... It goes about as bad as it could go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It it, it goes good at first, though. Like, it does kind of... Like lure you into like a false confidence. Yeah, well, because it's this weird thing where they do where like suddenly all these characters show up from like their whole history, and that feels like something that would happen in a climactic final, you know? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh yeah, we're meeting all the people. The fucking uh, the uh, Odo shows back up, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, Haru and his dad. That's who that is, right? Yeah, Haru. Yeah. <laughs> the first, like, basically uh, guest character they meet that's not, like, super recurring. Like, he's only in, like, that one episode in book one and then comes back yeah. for these episodes and a couple more later. The guy who says death is an illusion shows back up. <laughs> no, uh, now fucking... he says pants are an illusion. Yeah. Which is actually pretty funny. The fucking uh, game grumps show back up. <laughs> uh <laughs> So yeah, it, it's like a, it's definitely a like, oh yeah, everyone's showing up. Um, their father's here. This is gonna go well. But it's also like, 
yeah, this isn't the best army. <laughs> no. But, like, Luckily, again, to, to their like credit, that. like, what the episode drives home is that had Azula not known about this and they, they the Fire Nation had prepared for this, like, they could have probably done it. Like, they're, maybe, maybe the defenses were lighter just because they knew they were coming. But they're, they make progress, you know, like, uh, Hakoda, Asaka, and Katara's father, like, does get injured and has to, like, tap out of fighting in the battle. Um, but they're, you know, they're they're progressing pretty cleanly through it. There's no real resistance, which maybe is yeah. why they did so well. But I don't know, like, the way Sokka takes command, you know, reminds you that, like, oh, yeah, this dude is, like, a real leader. Like, it, it's not like a, it's just a stroke of luck that he's kind of the uh, the leader of Team Avatar. So, like, I, I like two th- all these really great elements in this episode that pay off a lot. Two things. Mm. Um, I forgot to mention Pipsqueak, the Duke, and the Boulder are also here. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good to see. Also, um, hey, I know this show gets a lot of progressive points and whatnot, but it kind of just hit me that now that the Kyoshi Warriors have been taken out of the equation, um, no women showed up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all all the people that showed up were dudes. It's it's a little enlightening that like oh yeah, it could have been going better. <laughs> yeah, the, you know. Yeah, with that element gone. Hey, you know, that's just just something to think about <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah. Next time uh, we get an Avatar show, which I'm sure will be very soon. We'll see. Um, also, did you know what famous athlete appears in this episode? I do not. Serena Williams. Really? She was a fan of the show. She voices Ming, uh, Uncle Iroh's guard, the one guard that was that was kind to Iroh. Oh, that's great. And I like that. The one, the one where he's like, I think you should take the rest of the day off. And she's like, I don't worry about it. She's like, no, take the rest of the day off. <laughs> Which is a good moment, because it's also like, is when she totally knows what he means, (laughs) and then she leaves. Yep. So she gets the, so see, some prison guards are good. (laughs) More women guards? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Ming grew up to be uh, Kamala Harris. Oh, the liberals are going to have a field day with this one. Uh, but no, I thought that was funny. She does actually she does a really good job too. Yeah, no, I had no idea that it wasn't like a like a professional voice actress. That's that's pretty I great. Specifically, I specifically looked it up to be like, "Oh, wow, this is a good uh episode. Like this, she's doing a good job in this voice. So I wonder who that is." And I was like, "Holy shit, it's Serena Williams." <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I, I'm really glad you brought that up. There you go. See, you trade up the Kyoshi Warriors for Serena Williams. Yeah, the prison guard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, win some, lose some. It's like going to me, like, oh look, there's some more Italian representation in this. It's Enzo the baker. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch some Italian cinema. Green Book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's bring everyone together. <laughs> you know, because the real problem with racism in this country is that people are just not nice enough to each other. See, you, see, he, you, 
they have fried chicken together. The fact that we didn't all drag Peter Farrelly away from his Oscar win is like is proof that the American dream is dead. <laughs> that was the moment Green Book won Best Picture was the was the honestly the lowest I felt <laughs> in these four years. Really? <laughs> Not now. Because because it really feels like that was a moment where it was like oh. It is. No one's learned anything. <laughs> you know, this is coming out. I think around the election day. So you sure you want to hold on to that? That's what you want to go yep. with. That's the <laughs> lowest. <laughs> no, I've already accepted that things are just awful. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, speaking of awful, again, the the plan goes miserably. No, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> depending on how the election day goes, it, it the moment it could have stopped was Green Book. Whatever the future is, it was decided when we let Green Book win Best Picture. <laughs> uh, speaking of awful, um, it is not awful. Haha, <laughs> do you like what I did there? Um, I thought not- you were going to say, speaking of awful, Sokka gives an awful speech. Oh, okay. I guess that's okay, too. Yeah, so- Sokka is a nervous wreck like me when I used to public speak uh, at first. Like now, I've obviously I've gotten a lot better at it. I do a podcast now, which has helped a lot. Yep. <laughs> but like in middle school and early high school, that would be me talking mm-hmm. and giving a presentation. I could not string words together to save my life. Not that I've gotten much better at it, but like I, I was just him. I I'm relating a lot to these episodes because I too would like to scam people, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, have horrible nightmares and daydreams from anxiety attacks when I was younger. And couldn't public speak properly, so I know. So this, I think viewers can probably put this together because I clearly love the sound of my own voice, which is why I keep interrupting you. But I took a public speaking class my last year of high school because I was like, because you know I had a fear of public speaking, and I was like, oh, this is something I should probably get over. And not only did I ace that class, they recorded my talkings in front of the class to use as examples wow for other students. wow so hey well congratulations that's the opposite of what they did for me i, I just wanted to tell that story because it's a good reminder that yeah i'm the greatest <laughs> yeah they pulled also, me aside and then said you're probably exempt from speaking in front of the class for the rest of the year <laughs> Some fucking poor, some guidance counselor at my school should be shot because <laughs> they they made a kid who like barely spoke English take that class. Like oh. I think they, they, yeah, and they they who I became friends with. I was, he was actually a pretty cool guy, but he he like I think the idea was like, oh, you know, you're getting used to English. Why don't you take this public speaking class? And it just was like uh, it was awful for everyone. <laughs> God, I fucking hate... That's what's... You know what? Like, we joke a lot, but that's what's actually really wrong with, like, the education system in this country. Because that happened to me when I was younger, too. The, the teachers told me, like, you can't speak Spanish here. You have to speak English. You're in America. This is an American school. And so, like, that fucked me up so bad, I've never fully gotten back, like, my ability 
to speak Spanish like properly again. Jesus Christ! It was my first. School. Yeah, it was it was my first language, and it like fucked me up so bad. And so like now, like yeah, I could probably start getting back into it a little better. Like I can I can survive. You drop me off at an airport in the middle of Mexico City, I could make my way back to America. You know what I mean? But it's not yeah. what it once was, and so I've always resented that. So if you're listening out there, Mrs. Raven. Go fuck yourself. Oh, sh- I forgot. No, never mind. I forgot you died. <laughs> you should, you should, uh, <laughs> what you say? They died? Glad you're dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm still um, here and you're I not. Had a, I had a similar event where a teacher, uh, I used to draw a lot and I, uh, spent a study hall, you know, I was drawing instead of doing work that I was late on. So like, I kind of get it. <laughs> But a teacher uh, humiliated me in front of the class for drawing during study hall. And I That's never fucking drew evil. again. I never drew again after that. And I really regret giving in to that teacher. Fuck her. Yeah. I mean, that it, it, it happens. My biggest regret is that I went back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I should have just gotten my GED after all the shit I went through. So I, I, I've lived an awful life of disease and being in hospitals, and a lot of it were, like, mistakes I made where I didn't understand the healthcare system very well or I trusted doctors I really should. My biggest regret is going back to high school. Because <laughs> I gained nothing by those last two years other than acing the public speaking course. <laughs> I got I got no way to tie it back into this. Do you have any thoughts on this? What I'm episode? saying is I could have I could have led the invasion. No, no. No. No, I'm not a strategist, but I could have read it better. <laughs> you know what's Sokka worse? Good... What what's worse? Sokka's speech or Aang trying to give um his testimony at the, the trial of Kiyoshi? Oh yeah. I mean, the Kyoshi thing was kind of stacked against Aang. <laughs> As you can see, I have very small feet. <laughs> like, like what I always keep going back to. <laughs> and I just like that it's a fact that Kyoshi had huge feet. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where it's like one of the main things stated on the wiki. <laughs> that Avatar Kyoshi had huge feet. <laughs> Uh, but no, so- Sokka, Sokka pulls it together. He, he comes together when it counts, and he leads the people to basically almost victory. And then, you know, Fire you Lord Ozai and everyone's underground. You mentioned recently that, uh, I'm not sure if it was even on the show, but that the the Nickelodeon executives were pushing for, like, armor for the characters. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think this episode was an attempt to appease some of that? maybe but like if you look at like the designs like it could totally have been but like if you look at the designs of like the armor like of what Sokka ends up wearing like his battle armor and Toph wearing what she's got going on those are just like they've been established as being like traditional garb for those respective nations in the show so it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like too much of a stretch to presume that they are trying to appease those like marketing board things but I do think it is, like, that one's founded in the world already. That The fact that yeah. I didn't even, like, think of that, I, I think bodes pretty well for the show, regardless of, well, of what think, the intention was. Yeah, 
I just think of, like, Appa's armor, and, like, then we get, like, the submarines and, like, all these different vehicles and stuff like that. Which Sokka co-invented, which I love, because yeah, I, I love I like my number just... one dumb boy. <laughs> I just love that he's, like, always got the right idea, but no idea how to pull it off. Like, <laughs> that's a really good running gag, that he's always, like, halfway there. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, um... You know what? What did his master say? The, the Terminator is like, oh, oh yeah, it, wasn't, it your wasn't your, s- it wasn't your skill. Make no mistake. <laughs> I'm gonna say here in front of all your friends <laughs> that make I I don't want you walking away from this thinking you have any skill worth bragging about. <laughs> yeah, I That's love it. That's the main thing I want to make clear. But you got the termination. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, he's clever. There you go. That's that's Sokka. He's clever, clever boy. Mm-hmm. And um, clever boy Sokka. And you know, up to this point, he has not really considered what happened to Suki, at least not from what we've seen in the show. And then uh, as he teams up with Toph and Aang to go look for the Fire Lord in the like the the basin of the the Fire Nation capital, um, he is confronted by Azula, who brought the Dai Li Warriors, which I thought was, like, a great addition. Because it's like, oh, yeah, that tosses another wrench into their plans. Not only can they not find the Fire Lord, Azula's got him stacked up with Earthbenders, who are not affected at all by the Eclipse. And um, Azula eggs them on and uh, to the point where she rubs in Sokka's face that they've captured Suki. And that, uh, as far as Sokka knows, still, has given point... up on being rescued by um Sokka. At this point, we don't know if Suki's dead or not, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and the last time we saw her, a, not, it's not great. It's not looking great. Ended on a pretty big cliffhanger involving her. So that's, uh, you know, because like, at that point, like, she's trying to throw shit at him and Sokka's like, ignore her. But then she, she finds the one thing, which is what Azula is best at. Which, again, is why, you know, maybe, like, uh, Zuko's not as open to, about anything. Mm-hmm. To Azula. Oh, yeah, and she almost kills Sokka right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole come little she, moment where she says, come and get it, and she has this knife behind her back. Like, that's pretty intense. She's going to stab a child. She's going to stab a dumb boy. Hey, but Toph was there to help him, and that's important. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I know. Toph, what would, what would Sokka do without you? <laughs> that, that is kind of like a recurring thing. Um, yeah, hey. Yeah. Uh, and then they were meant to be an item at some point. Maybe I, I could see that happening. But I guess Suki's always waiting for um, Su- um, <laughs> so- <Sokka. laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe the card drew on the table at one point, but then they were like, ah, Toph doesn't need no man. Make no mistake, everyone seems to love Sokka for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we ever find out who Toph ended up with? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Very minor spoilers, but she because we do know she has children. <laughs> oh, I think the the running theory at the time of Legend of Korra's release was that Toph just created her children out of Earth itself. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, if I remember correctly, again, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but her two daughters, I believe, came from two different husbands. You know what? Given Toph's personality, that totally tracks. That makes she, sense. She does not want to be bound to, to any yeah. individual or, like, construct in society. So mm-hmm. that that totally tracks. 
Uh, spoiler what, what, alert. What kind of... What kind of suck if the things that make us love characters when they're children end up making them shitty parents? Wow, that would be crazy, huh? That would be bad. Th- yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like there's a message in there somewhere that people should yeah. look at instead of just being upset that people are different when they're older <laughs> or that damages their relationships. Whatever. This isn't about any franchise in particular, particularly two that we keep mentioning on this podcast. Anyways, what do you think about the Zuko stuff in this episode? Uh, Zuko finally stands the fuck up. Yeah! And uh, redirects lightning. Which is great. Yes. Sorry, I just get really excited about that moment, because that's my boy. Oh yeah, it's a a great moment. I mean, it's good to see him finally stand up and be like, yeah, fuck you, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I guess, you know... We all have someone in our lives we wish we had told the fuck off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I might have a list somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't actually not. have a list. Thankfully not my dad, because he's not an evil fire lord. <laughs> that, that, that's good. That would be difficult. But uh, <laughs> he's a good fire lord. He's one of the good ones. <laughs> Imperialism is bad, Matt. <laughs> no, no, my dad did it all right. <laughs> He told me he had to take those colonies. Oh, oh, okay. Well, in that case. <laughs> you know, he said he had a good reason. Uh, but what were you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> it was good to see It was good to see Zuko stand up. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's this weird thing where it's... Uh, how do I say it? You know, it's that one thing where you like you want to say like, why didn't he just go in and kill the Fire Lord? But he does make a very good point where he's like, I'm no longer letting people tell me what my destiny is. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know that that killing killing you or stopping you is the Avatar's destiny. It's not my destiny. I have to find my destiny. Which you know, if you're being a realist, you can be like, hey, the stakes are a little higher here. <laughs> But it totally works for as a character moment. It totally works there, and there's a good explanation for why it doesn't play out like that later. Zuko doesn't even realize it now, but towards the end game, I'll say, there, there's a conversation between him and another character that succinctly, I think, explains why it can't be a member of his own family to beat him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's it's just a such a fantastic moment where Zuko's finally making strides to become a better person for the first time in his life and to actually like commit to them, you know, and it's it's very exciting. He makes a bold assumption and going like, I'm no longer listening to you, dad. I'm going to go team up with the avatar. Oh no, he totally does. (laughs) He totally, that's that's bold as fuck. And it's like, Hey man, didn't end well the last time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You, you actually for real, Almost got him killed. Yeah. <laughs> he died, and if, if she hadn't had that water, he'd be dead. Yeah. Um, kind of the reason the Earth Kingdom has also fallen. It's not... Yeah. The, the cards are stacked against Zuko, is what I'm saying. Oops, did some imperialism. <laughs> That's the thumbnail for this one. Just Zuko with his hands, like, at his sides. Like, a whoops. A big, a big shrug. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Accidentally did fascism. Fascism with the fam. Well, hashtag TikTok. <laughs> well, at least now he won't do that. 
yeah yeah that's 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 the gist of it um the 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 invasion fails everyone's basically captured except for the youngest in the group and um you know what though hey we have had a villain redemption arc in real life kind of not really (laughs) i'm terrified at who you're gonna say um didn't kellyanne conway's daughter like blast her on twitter and now she's been forced to resign oh i think so yeah Good but I mean, her. like, yeah, good, good, good for the daughter. Because I guess Kellyanne I'm, Conway is like an abuser, which, like, yeah, not to make I mean, snap judgments about people's online personas, but I think it's fair to say that most of those people in the White House are not ideal human beings. Yeah, at at the best, they're emotional abusers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally the best case scenario. <laughs> But it's like, you know, good for her. Stand it up. That's it's a hard thing to do, man. Yeah. You know? And not only that to both her parents, who also seem to be, like, on the, I mean, kind of different ends. Because, like, her father was the head of the Lincoln Project. Which <laughs> is, like, the never-Trumper Republicans. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, the political spectrum right now is, like, just shades of Republicanism. <laughs> It's like Republicans and AOC. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, basically. And everyone's freaking out that we got one. <laughs> but, you know, good for that girl. Yeah. What do you mean you don't want to re-welcome those Nazis back into our party to defeat Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah. You know, what that's do you what mean you... you don't want to play a part in rehabilitating the people that allowed all this to happen? What do you mean actions have consequences? <laughs> It's like we're at this. It's like they're ch- It's like they're children. <laughs> it really is. Honestly, the thing I've learned because like I I'm around a lot of boomers, unfortunately, and they're all hitting like sixty and getting arthritis. And it's like they're all like have the mentality of actual children. <laughs> and it's like that's how racism happened. <laughs> It's like, that's how this happened, because all you couldn't grow the fuck up? That's that's infuriating to find out. Because you want the villain in life to be like the Fire Lord Ozai, you know? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, ah, ha, 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 but it's like, oh, my dad never hugged me. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and I didn't get that one gift I really wanted for Christmas. Yeah, see, that's the it's problem like, that the with, with villains in real life. Yeah, they, they suck. Yeah. That's why there can never be a great Trump movie. Because people are going to try to make it too complicated. And he's he's not a complicated person. He's just evil. (laughs) Like, that's it. You know who could do it, though? David Lynch. Oh. Michael Mann. (laughs) I I don't know. No, because Michael Mann loves making films about complicated men. But all the villains of his movies are people who aren't complicated. <laughs> he understands that the worst thing to be in life is not complicated. <laughs> I, I guess maybe, yeah, looking back at it. I, I guess that's kind fucker. of the whole point of Collateral. Vincent plays yeah. complicated, but he's not. Yeah, he's, he's, he does all, like, he's like such an edgelord emo bullshit asshole. Like, oh, God, he totally is. He really is. He's like, what do you do? What do you, oh, did you hear all those people died in Rwanda? I killed one guy. That's not bad. 
You know, that's like every dude that's ever been like, um, actually. I know, I know. Twitter. And then the and moment. And those are the people that run the fucking country. <laughs> and the moment they're questioned about their, like, their whole ethos, they just start breaking down. Yeah. I, I got nothing else. Um, That's a great episode to end on, I guess. Well, not, not great, I guess. I guess just great. Great group of episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've been trying so to look back at, at, at each of them and being like, oh, what was the best run of episodes so far? I'm like, it just, it's hard to keep track anymore. Um, it's it's just, it, it's it's just kind of, this home stretch is, is just kind of the shit. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'll it's say. It's a beautiful show. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm really glad, I'm still very glad we're revisiting it, even though we're almost to the end. I know. See, this is my problem with season three. I used to think it was that the early episodes were lackluster leading into the finale. But now I just realized that I don't like revisiting them because that means I'm almost to the end again. And then I I, I just end up starting it all over because I'm like, God, I don't want it to finish. That's why I love it. Because so many, every other franchise fucks up the third one by not being an ending. That's in my opinion. They, this show knows to leave you wanting more, but definitively tell you you're not getting more. <laughs> and by that I mean not getting more of these characters, because of course we get Legend of Korra. But what I'm saying is that this story has a beginning, middle, and end, and it ends. And that's what I love about it. Any final thoughts about The Eclipse? Or a day of black sun. See the fucking titles on the. Eh. Well, I was gonna say I've been thinking about eclipses, and man, that shit must have been crazy when you had no idea how the planets worked. Oh yeah, that's probably why like all this like mythology sprung up out of the ground basically from all these different civilizations and cultures. Because like, yeah, how do you explain that? Because <laughs> something ate the sun one day, <laughs> and then it came back. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder so many people believe in reincarnation. It's, it's scary, man. Hey, no, it's cool. I mean, yeah, it's cool, but like back then, it's terrifying. It it gets scary when it's like, oh, our inability to explain the universe is the foundation for mythology, and also some people kill each other over that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I'm trying to imagine what it's like, like like a million years from now when like the religions are all from the fandoms that exist right now. Oh no, that's not going to be fun. Although this one might have a better shot at being slightly less horrible. The Snyder cut is like the Gnostic gospels or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. It's where the canon was like a religious term and now it's a marketing term. <laughs> oh god, there's something there. There's something there to explore. Yeah, marketing is totally religion. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, in, in the mouth of the madness. Of the masses. That that's in the mouth of madness. That's that's what that yeah. is. Publishing will kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I just want to say is that the last image is of the capture of the invasion force. As Haru, the Duke, um, I always forget the kid's name. The son of the inventor. Squeak. Oh no. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name either. Oh, hang on. I feel bad. I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Episodes. No. <laughs> I don't know why. That's my nickname for Otto. Tio. Okay. So, uh, right. the Duke, Tio, Haru, and uh, Team Avatar escape to the Western Air Temple, I believe. Right? Yes. Yeah. And Zuko pursues them, not to capture the Avatar for the first time, but to join them. And naturally, we'll see how well that goes next time. <laughs> yep. I'm sure everything's going to go swimmingly. Yeah, it always does for welcome, these people. They'll welcome him with open arms. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, Maybe Zuko should think about firing that uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Man guy. Oh, yeah, that's, that's still hanging out in the air over there. <laughs> Can you imagine hiring a bounty, gunner, a bounty hunter and being like, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next time on the show, today we talked about six episodes, although technically five because of the two-parter. I don't know anymore. I'm sorry. I'm going to go off the Wikipedia. It might make things easier for everyone. Uh, but next time we're talking about what are collectively known as the Zuko episodes, and by collectively known, I mean for the sake of this podcast, in order of <laughs> helping us create like a little arc in this series. Um, chapter 12, The Western Air Temple, The Firebending Masters, The Boiling Rock, Part 1 and 2, and The Southern Raiders. Are we Is do- that all we're doing next time? Are we doing the Ember Island players? Yes, we are. Okay, then we're doing the Ember Island players too. Uh, all these little episodes are connected, of course, by Zuko trying to fit into the new team avatar that's not a spoiler that's literally what this episode tees up to so we'll be talking about those next time and uh that's like seven episodes technically if you count the the two-parter right three sure five no that's six that's six episodes so good luck watch those we'll be back next week to talk about them how are you in math in school i'm really bad (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) I find that hard to believe. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Let's just end this shit. I'm sorry. I was I, I was really good at trigonometry, but I I, I failed miserably at counting. <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at Emperor OTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo and check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, Twitter, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you get early access to the rest of the season. And we'll see. I'm pretty sure the the movie will be available for patrons as well, too. So check that out, I guess. Yeah. Everyone's go- Oh, check out that great film. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. Oh, boy. That there might... is no... There is no way that episode isn't going to spiral. Clear the day. Because <laughs> that's like... That's like at every minute, there's like an hour worth of conversation. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>